Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, sometimes in life, you need the low beams, right? And it's a hazy evening, it's a foggy morning, and you just can't hardly see your hand in front of you. And you're just asking for the next step, the next hour, the next tenth of a mile. Lord, give me guidance, the low beams. And, you know, sometimes we need the high beam. You know, sometimes it's like we need to know, Lord, what path are you wanting my life? Reveal your word to me. Show me the way. Show me the career. Show me down the road. Sometimes we need the low beams. Sometimes we need the high beams. And, you know, it is so important that we posture ourselves so we can hear God speak to us. Now, in our day, there's a lot of misunderstanding that goes on. Wouldn't you agree? So I'm over at Kroger's, and I whip my phone out, and I go to look at the Alexa app. And I get on the shopping list. I'm like, what is this? The Alexa has interpreted somebody's West Virginia twang, and it's something that I can't even decipher. Whether it's a special character when you call a company on the phone, and it is, or speech recognition software, or the Alexa device, or Hey Siri, it'll go off. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Or it's like the little girl. She was on the way to school. And she is in the back seat and she says, hey, mom, do you believe in hell? And mom said, yes, I believe in hell. And she said, does everybody believe in hell? Mom said, no, not everybody believes in hell. And the little girl thought for a moment, she spoke up and she said, well, my teacher believes in hell. And mom said, well, what does she say about hell? And the little girl, she could see in her rearview mirror, would say, thy teacher says, Inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. So a few years back, Kelly, my wife, had laryngitis. She couldn't speak. I'm like, yes, I'm going to get the last word. Every claim I made, all she could do was smile and kind of nod her head. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, just imagine your spouse like that. And this went on for a couple of days, and I'm like, you know, this is, this is kind of neat, but I can't imagine this going on like this forever. If she wasn't able to laugh again or to talk again or express any kind of encouragement to me or her love or we could get in an argument, a disagreement, and then make up again, you know what I'm saying? It, it was like... It was sort of uh, bearable for a day, but for a lifetime, that would be tragic. And I want to say to you that where there is love, where there is relationship, there are words. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where there is love and where there's relationship, there's going to be words. And that's why the Israelites loved God's word. That's why Jesus loved the Torah. And that's why 
you and I should love God's word. And we need to build our lives on God's word. Give our life unto the Lord. So we're in a new sermon series right now that we're calling Upside Down because I think everybody would pretty much agree that we are living in a world that feels upside down. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of just turmoil that swirls about in our land, in our world. The question of why this and why that. There's a lot of hurtful things that go on and we are living in a broken world. I'm reminded there at the conclusion of uh, that famous sermon that Jesus shared, the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter 7. He's talking there at the end about these two guys that built their home. And the one guy, he said, built their home on this soft foundation, this, this sandy kind of foundation. And another guy, when he built his home, he built it on a rock. He built it on a firm foundation. And he says, as you know, the gale force winds began. The rain came, the floods rose, and all of a sudden, these homes were pelted, and the one that was on the soft foundation, they built their house on the sand, crumbled, but the one that built themselves on the rock, it withstood the storms of life. It withstood those storms. And after saying this, Jesus said this, He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built his house on the rock. Build your life on God's word so when the storms come, you can handle it. Your foundation will be strong. Your roof will be intact. You will be standing upon the rock. And, you know, you can't build your life on the things that come, the fads. You can't build your life on folk theology or tabloid theology or social media or those kinds of pop things, pop culture kinds of things. But you build your life upon the Word of God. So let me ask today, how do you do that? How can you build your life? on the Word of God. And I want to submit to you, it really is as easy at looking at how you are wired as a person. You know, we all acknowledge we have these senses that God has given to us. God has provided these five senses. You know, you hear, you, you smell, you see, you touch, you feel, uh, you taste. E- everything that you know, everything you encounter in this world comes through these senses. And God wants you to learn to encounter the Bible through your senses. And, you know, this is actually, I want to submit to you, found in the Scripture. And the one that I want to lift up for you today, if you take your Bible and turn with me to James chapter 1. And I want to share these words. James is a very practical book in the Bible, instructing us how we encounter God. And I want to submit how we can build our lives upon God's Word. And important things that we need to hear James saying in James chapter 1. And he says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. 
And anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it will be blessed in what he does. You know, the Bible is called perfect because it's exactly what we need. And you and I need to build our lives, I would say, on God's Word, on His Holy Word. Now, what are these ways that we can build our lives on the Word? I want to identify some simple things here out of this text and point out to you ways that we can build our life on His Word. And the first one is you build your life on the Bible with your ears. You build your life on the Bible with your ears. You receive it. And notice it says in verse 21, accept the word planted in you. And we're talking about hearing the Bible. You know, Paul uh, acknowledged in Romans 10, 17, he said, faith comes from hearing the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. And it's interesting here in this text, it says accept. Accept the word of God. That word accept, it's, it's a hospitality term. It's you welcome a stranger. You welcome uh, th this person. You welcome this word into your life. You welcome it in. And James says here, it is planted in you. And it's an attitude of acceptance. It's an attitude of welcoming. And throughout the Bible, it compares itself to a seed. And isn't that interesting? The Bible is a seed. Jesus told the parable of the sower, and he said the word of God is seed, and it's planted into your hearts. Some of it is, is accepted in the soil. Others are trampled on. It's tossed to the side. It doesn't get uh, root in the soil, and it's a matter of attitude. But your ears receive it. You know, it's always interested me how you can take two seeds out of the same packet, and I've actually done this at home, through the years, and you take one seed and you plant it in one location in the backyard, and you take another seed out of the same packet, and you're putting it in another location in the backyard, and at the end of the growing season, one is bountiful and one is meager. One has a lot of crop to it, and the other has very little. How is it that one can do that and one not? It comes out of the same seed packet, and you know, the same way, I've always been amazed at how you can put two people in the very same service. And they can hear the very same songs, the very same sermon, the very same prayer, the very same offertory, the very same announcements, everything about it. And one gets blessed and the other gets stressed. And you're like scratching your head. One person walks out and said, really, I got a lot out of this. There's something for me to really challenge my life today. And somebody else walks out and says, I didn't get a thing out of that. When they say it. One heart is, is prepared, the soil is ready, and one isn't. You're hearing with your ears. A second way that you build your life on the Bible is to read it with your eyes. Not only do you hear it with your ears, but you read it with your eyes. You receive it. You, you cannot grow without reading the Bible. Now notice verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And notice this mirror analogy, and you see that in other locations in the scripture. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And that happens a lot to people, doesn't it? I mean, we hear something in the classroom or we hear something at church or we're in a conversation with someone. And by the time you get to the parking lot, you've already forgotten it. You've just discounted it. You've just set it to the side. And many times the Bible is compared to a mirror in Scripture. Now, I bet there's one thing that all of us did before we came to church today is you visited a mirror. You kind of get up in the morning and you assess the damage from the night before, right? (laughs) The hair's everywhere. You're just like embarrassed maybe. And you're like, maybe you wash your face. Uh, Maybe you take, take a comb or a brush and run it through your hair. You throw a little makeup on, or maybe everything is just going so fast, let's just slap it in the tail, let's put a ball cap on, and let's go, right? But you probably assess the damage. You look at yourself, and this is saying the Bible, you look at the Bible, and it evaluates you, how you are living your life. Is it congruent with Scripture? Is it complying with what God is saying? Or is it revealing some things about you that you need to take pause and change? A third way you build your life on the Bible is with your hands and your mouth. Because reading the Bible is reading the Bible, but studying the Bible, studying the Bible. And it's not study, I want to say to you, unless you have a pen and paper and unless you're conversing with other people. That's why we love small groups. That's why we love commentaries. That's why we like the footnotes at the end of the Bible. What is that saying? We want to talk it out. We want to understand. We want to, we want to think. We want to synthesize what's going on. Those two components of study and talking and sharing in your small group, it's what turns the glancing in a mirror to gazing in a mirror. It turns theory into practice. It turns just reading into study. And this is in the Bible. We know in the book of Acts, chapter 17, Luke there, the writer, he's talking about the people in the city of Berea. And he said there's, there's a group of people there in the Berean city there in Greece, and they were more open-minded, he said, than the people in the church and in the city there at Thessaloniki, another city in Greece. And he said they were listening to Paul's message and they searched the scripture day and night to see if they were really teaching the truth. So Paul is coming and sharing and the people there are studying and reading and comparing. They're looking at the Torah. Is this guy telling us the truth? You research the Bible, your hands, your mouth. But not only is it your eyes and your ears, your hands, your mouth, but also the fourth way you build your life on the Bible is to review and remember. Now, listen to this again in verse 25. The man who looks intently, that's reading, into the perfect law and continues to do this, that's the reviewing, not forgetting what he's heard, that's the remembering, he will be blessed. You know, in recent times, I have found the greatest habit for me is to memorize the Scripture. Just verses here and there. You know, you take a post-it note and you can put it in a certain location. Somebody the other day put a post-it note by my computer, a wonderful verse. 
Uh, when I was a kid growing up, I used to do that. We would have Bible baseball and vacation Bible school. We would have these other neat little things in Sunday school, and I would remember those scriptures. And then as a young person, I went on to college. I did my own thing, you know how that goes, and I forgot about doing a lot of that. And in recent times, as I got older, I've discovered it's like ginkgo. This ginkgo galoba, you exercise your mind. It, it's a wonderful way you remember God's word. You plant it in the soil of your heart. And then when the rain comes and the winds blow, those verses just naturally populate. They just, they just surface back at the top. And it provides such comfort. It gives such strength. It gives you wisdom. It reminds you of the presence of God. There's something incredibly important about reviewing God's word and remembering the verses that God has given to us. Memory is like a muscle, and you can actually get better at it. Now, some people say, Tim, I've got a terrible memory. This is a joke. I'm not going to be able to remember anything, but I'm going to say to you, people remember what they want to. You remember birthdays. You remember phone numbers. You remember anniversaries. Uh, you remember... You know, uh, you know, all kinds of special things. What time you had to be at work. You remember stock symbols or football scores or baseball kinds of, uh, you know, statistics. You remember what you want to. And I can tell you, if you receive God's word and allow it to be planted in the soil of your heart, as you move on in life, it provides you comfort. It gives you strength. It helps you to get through those ugly, those terrible, those things that happen in your life, the illness, the problems, the decisions that have to be made. But I want to say a fifth thing that you need to take note of is that James says here to build your life on the Bible by responding to it. And you know, we as Methodists, we as Wesleyans believe in practicing God's word. We believe in living it out. We believe in applying it to our life and doing what God says. In verse 22, it says, do not merely listen to the word, but do it. You practice it. What good, after all, is a mirror if you don't do anything about it? If you look at the mirror and you don't respond to it, you don't pick up the brush, you don't get the comb, you don't put the makeup on or whatever, if you don't really adjust yourself according to God's word. Now, the word listen here in the Greek is really something that ought to prick your heart. It ought to really, like, stop you because this word listen in the Greek is where we get the word audit. How many of you have ever audited a class in college? And, you know, I've audited a class in college, and you pay your money, but you have no intention necessarily of reading the book or turning in any of the homework or going to the final exam. You don't need to. You're just kind of checking out the class, but you really have no intent of getting any credit for it. You have no intent of ever living it out, perhaps. And, you know, I want to say we have a lot of people oftentimes auditing church because they're not living out their faith. They're simply checking it out, they're hearing a lot of wonderful things. They're gaining content. But a lot of people are going to have a lot of Bible knowledge, but they're going to be like midgets spiritually, spiritual midgets, because they haven't allowed the Bible, God's Word, to transform their life. A lot of people have great Bible knowledge, but they're not doing anything about it. And you know, James says this, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. Now, if you're going to build your life 
on the Bible, you've got to receive it. And here's where I also want to point out to you the right attitude that you need. Now, probably some of you that are older, you remember these, the rabbit ears. And you would move that TV all over the place. You know, your favorite program was coming on. And let's move this thing around. And I saw some people get the aluminum foil and all this kind of thing and adjust these things. Nowadays, we don't do that. We kind of say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? We're in a, you know, down in a basement. Can you hear me? Let's adjust. I'll be on a Zoom call and somebody's mobile. And they'll say, just a moment, I'm going to pull over and try to get the right reception, right? In order to hear God, you have to have the right reception. And what I'm talking about here, you have to have the right attitude. That's what's required. The Bible says that a, it's a matter of the attitude of the heart. In James, you have to receive the Word of God with the right attitude. What are these attitudes? It's mentioned right here. First of all, it says you got to be quiet. You have to be quiet. Uh, notice it says here, for good reception, to hear God speak, you got to be quiet. It says here, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And how many of us would have to say that we often are very quick with our words, but it says here to be slow to listen you know, Kelly has told me many times, friends, Tim, when you're talking, you're not listening. At least I think that's what she said. <laughs> You've got to be quiet. You can't hear God talking to you if you are just talking and you're not listening. 80% of communication is listening. A, a, a second attitude of the heart is this, and that is you've got to be calm. Do you realize that? You've got to be calm. It says, and slow to become angry. Now, why in the world are we talking about becoming angry when we're talking about the Bible? That's because you don't hear much when you're angry. Let's admit it. When you are really irritated, when you're really upset, when somebody has just crushed your feelings, when things have developed and you're upset, you really can't hear what is being said because you're just, you're just bound up in emotion. But on the other hand, when you're emotionally quiet, when you're really relaxed and you're calm, you can really hear what the other person is saying. And that's why if you're not having problems right now in your life, you need to listen to this because there are common moments where you will be in great anxiousness. There'll be great trauma. There'll be problems. There'll be health issues. There'll be dire decisions that need to be made. And so you need to listen now. You need to really be receptive. You need to have the right heart to be quiet and to be calm. To be calm. After all, the Bible says to be still and know that I'm God. Not to say, God, I've got five minutes here. Just tell me what you need real quick and then I'm going to get on with my life. We're to be calm. We're to be quiet. Another aspect of our attitude that we need in our heart is to be clean. In other words, you can't have junk in your life. You can't have the sin piled up in your life. If you want to God, God speak to you, the Bible clearly says God is holy and desires for us to be holy. You be holy, therefore also. You be holy. He can't stand this kind of evil in his presence, these kinds of wrong things. He says, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent in your life. He's saying before you do the seeding, you got to get the garden easel out. you got to do a little weed eating. 
you got to till the soil. You remove the rock and debris. You break the soil so it can receive the, the seed into your life. Get the dirt clods out. Pull the weeds. Remove the rock. You ready the soil. He says, get rid of two things. Get rid of the filth and get rid of the evil. Now, this word filth is interesting because here it's talking about earwax. That's where we get earwax. Now, those are older sometimes. You know you've got muffled. You can't really hear. And you go to the doctor and say, can you flush the earwax out? And people do that and they hear a lot better. And, you know, here it's talking about that filth that's in our life, that gross stuff that's on the end of the Q-tip that kind of, like, grosses you out. The point is you can't hear God if you got this stuff in your life. And you say, God never speaks to me. And the problem, perhaps, is you've got a little ethical earwax. You've got a little emotional earwax going on in your life. You've had some hurt that's really damaged your emotions. You've had some spiritual things that have happened. You've had these mental blocks, and you can't hear but God because you've got things in your life. You know, when I landscape, and I do like to get outdoors, and I do like to get my hands dirty, I, I do like to see accomplishment and raise the hood and get things done, but every single time I start back into the house, Kelly's like, no, you're not coming in here. Get those dirty clothes off. Take off your dirty hat. Take off your dirty shoes. Get those gloves off because I don't want anything coming in here that is not clean. And before you can meet with God, you need to deal with the sin issues in your life. And you're not going to hear God if your mind is filled with pornography. You're not going to hear God if it's filled with jealousy or resentment or malice. And these things the Bible talks about because it blocks, it muffles. You need to have that quiet spirit and that calm spirit. And you need to come in this time here of cleanliness and you need to agree with God that's what confession is you look in the Bible and you're saying God I agree with you that I'm not doing what I need to do and so I come before you and ask for forgiveness and help me Lord to live a better life daily and folks we all need to be doing that every single day confessing our sin unto God and then the third thing I say to you today that we need to do as Christian people is to humble ourselves, to humble ourselves before God, to calm ourselves, quiet ourselves, and clean ourselves, and then humble ourselves. Humble, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. To be humble means to be ready to do whatever God tells you to do. If you come with a prideful attitude, God, you tell me what you want me to do, and then I'll decide whether or not I'm going to do it. That's not a sincere heart. That's not humility. But you come humbly to receive from God. God, I'm broken. God, I'm in need. God, I've made a mistake. God, I've messed things up. I've been angry. I've done these things to other people. Please forgive me, and please help me. Renew a right spirit in me, God. That's humility. It was John Bunyan who said, He that is humble ever shall have God to guide. Let us be people of humility. Folks, let us 
receive God's word into our life and let us live it. Will you join me in prayer? Let us just be in a moment of silent prayer today as we confess our sin, our lives unto God.